Before we begin, I wanted to give a huge shout out to Amazon Music for partnering with me on this episode of Chasing Creativity, but more on this later. Let's get right into today's episode. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Chasing Creativity. This is Kiran Manral, your host. And today I have with me a very dear friend and a wonderful writer, Anu Singh Chaudhary. Welcome to Chasing Creativity, Anu. What a pleasure to be here, Kiran. Thank you so much. So we did a bit of Chasing Creativity on the way here. It was a long trek made longer <laughs> by every single road that was dug up Absolutely. in the city. We must thank the city. And the city gods for making us take all the possible twists and turns. Because as we are navigating through the dug up city, we are also creatively thinking about the plots and every other twist and turn that will bring to our story. So yes, the city adds to our creativity, <laughs> doesn't it? Absolutely. They say boredom adds to creativity. But I think uh, traffic does not give you boredom, it gives you anxiety. What is your process like? How do you get into creativity? Such a profound question. Uh, so let's begin from how to deal with anxiety. Creativity and anxiety, I think, are best buddies. They're probably bedmates um, along with imposter. So the three go hand in hand. So you just have to um, at some point acknowledge that as long as you want to be creative, you will also have to deal with your anxiety. And you'll also have to let the imposter be and probably, you know, mm -hmm. deal with her with love and affection. And uh, anxiety it'll be. And now I started to see anxiety as a good friend, as in if you're a little anxious, then it keeps you on your toes and it keeps you invested in what you're doing. Okay. If you're not anxious, then it means that you're indifferent, which is not a very good space to be in for a creative person. So yes, traffic gives us anxiety. And uh, uh, also boredom. So, but we are creative people, so we'll find ways, and we do find ways of, you know, also having some very interesting conversations. Also, listen to some great podcasts, including this one that hopefully you're <laughs> listening, and hope hopefully you're not stuck in traffic. But uh, there's so so it just I think it's just uh, letting anxiety trigger your creativity in a way that it's productive mm -hmm. and therefore then dealing with the imposter so that it does not make you anxious is how one just deals with it. You've had a very interesting journey, Anu. You've gone from journalism, you were at NDTV, you were at the Gao Connection, then you went to writing uh, scripts and you're also an author, you've written uh, a lovely book. How did your journey start in into writing, into words. What was little Anu like as a child? Was she a bookworm? Were her parents feeding her with books or was she going sneaking around finding books? What was that journey like? Uh, it was quite a lonely journey, I have to now admit. Um, I come from a very, very conventional Bihari family, extremely conventional. There was no concept of reading or writing. I was, in fact, uh, the first woman ever to have stepped out of the small city okay. and to have come to a college, Lady Shiram at that. And uh, to have had dreams and ambitions and therefore in that sense I was a little bit of a little bit of an outlier not somebody who was fitting because everybody around me I mean I lived in a neighborhood which was you know in that sense a very upper caste a little bit of a privileged but yet full of 
immigrants who had mostly moved from Bihar to Jharkhand. I grew up in Jharkhand. Jharkhand, which Jharkhand became Jharkhand in two thousand one. Much after I actually grew up, I had my childhood. But there was this clear distinction between where I was growing up, which was uh, in this safe neighborhood, uh, who with people around who spoke the same kind of language. I mean, they spoke the Bihari languages, either Bhojpuri or Magahi or Angika or Maithili uh, or Hindi. uh there was very little engagement with english in that mm-hmm. sense uh mm-hmm. boys were going to english medium schools girls were not girls were mostly going to sarkari schools or uh hindi medium school so i was growing up in that kind of a setup and uh there was this very uh very close by there was this basti of adivasis uh who also added to a lot to how i was perceiving the world in the sense that it was also the basti from where our helps were coming Mm-hmm. but it was also the basti which was really really in that sense progressive because this was free and they were also you know they they lived the life that they wanted to and they were fighting for a separate state in that sense mm-hmm. so they were fighting for their identity so all of those experiences sort of informed um uh, also the kind of literature that i was picking up because um when i started to read uh, like i said i i was in a sort a semi sarkari school which was a missionary school it was a convent but had 50% reservation for the tribal girls so which was which meant that there was a lot of engagement with mm-hmm. girls who were coming from various you know this was this was an all girls call uh, school so all kinds of uh, girls from all walks of life they they had in that sense some sort of like sort of motivation to uh, make it be independent so but also there were girls who wanted to get married and you know mm-hmm. settle down so then there were so many kinds of uh, peers that one was growing up with so i was confused i was very very confused with the kind of exposure that i was getting the kind of upbringing that i had the kind of world that i was living in the kind of women that i was engaging with the kind of role models especially mm-hmm. women role models that i had so while indira gandhi was a role model somewhere out there uh, in the newspapers that we were reading at home i was surrounded by homemakers my mother my chachis were making at a stretch probably 100 rotis at one given time because we were living in a joint family so it was very confusing so in order to make sense of the world that i wanted to exist in i wanted to, i started writing okay. so it was first mostly like you know the, the, you know how we all start right poetry that's the easiest form or so we think when mm. we are writing even though it's the toughest medium of expression but that's how it started and i would write these kacha pakka poems and then i started to sort of debate because i was very passionate about some of these mm. things that we were seeing around us so then you i would start to write essays and then that's how the creative journey really started and that led me to also purely out of curiosity that who were the other people who were writing so i grew up largely on the very very staple diet of hindi literature okay and uh, that led me obviously to you know translations that was also the time this was 80s that we were talking about also a lot of russian literature which was being oh. translated into indian languages so the libraries had that uh, so a lot of translations and then gradually it was only in fact i remember i started to actually get exposed to english literature because both my brothers were in a public school they were in an english medium school and purely out of curiosity curiosity as to what they were reading okay so mill and the floss is something that i read because it was my brother's textbook similarly 
I got exposed to Julius Caesar because it was again a part of their textbook, and then slowly, then you know, one picked up and started to read. So various things, I would say. So I know this entire journey as a child and about uh, you know all the influences that happened. That's so interesting to know. And then the decision to go to Delhi, that was a brave decision. So was there any resistance you faced from the family to send the girl out? of the city of the town of the home to another big bad city and what were your experiences there uh where there is a will there is always resistance on the way <laughs> <laughs> you will not have it smooth nobody has ever had it smooth and especially so for girls who are out there women who are out there just wanting to just like challenge the status quo more than anything else if mm. they want um equal opportunities or equal rights in terms of education or something as simple as you know our right to sit on the board hmm. they have to you we we all are facing that we that we are that generation which has sort of you know had the benefits of our earlier generations but uh, we have intensified it hmm. so it was tough obviously this is 1996 that i'm talking about but delhi was dreamland it was just so liberating to come to a place where you won't have to look at your watch and look at it you know one worry that 5 o'clock i have to be, be home, home because um, back in bihar then 5 baje matlab sab andhera you andhera aur aap nahi ja sakte bahar you're not supposed to be out once mm-hmm. it gets dark aur paas se sawa paas jata tha to parents would start to worry and you would always have to move out with I mean, I've had friends telling me, and uh, friends as in like you know, boys who would tell me that our car is bad, so you can't like go alone. Or we leave you because they also come with that sense of responsibility that girls have to be. Little boy, take it. But so it was, it was very liberating when you take the bus on your own. You go mm-hmm. from one place to the other, and then to be in a college which is very, very, very obviously feminist. Mm. So it was, it was. an eye opening experience and this was also the time when delhi was sort of like expanding all the flyovers were coming up which also was in a way my first introduction to a big city life where one would get into a traffic jam and it would take <laughs> like 90 minutes from one point to the other having said that how much of you, a girl's life changes now 5 baje aap nahi aa sakte but 7:30 is your cut off because 7:30 is the time when you by, by if you're in the hostel you're in the hostel so by 7:30 you would have to come back 30 se 7:35 bhi ho jata tha so you would be gated in so there would be a consequence to that and again this is i'm talking about this very you know progressive college so it didn't change much in that sense we were still living with and the more i started to live in delhi i started to realize that uh, if teasing was the same how you were being looked at in the public transport was the same how you still had to fight to own the public spaces as a woman was still the same a lot of those battles had not changed and unfortunately 20 years later when i started to work on a novel which also became a web series a web series called the good girl show which was my first really the first web series that i wrote and directed uh which was on the lives of these four young girls this is 20 years later but we are still fighting the same battles hmm hmm this is really we are still fighting for pinjada tod and there's a campaign going on we are still stepping out from our homes at 8 pm 
wanting to walk towards the metro station for a safe you know walk to make the public spaces including your metro stations including your parks your roads safe for women so things hadn't changed really in that sense so it's while delhi has been very empowering for me as a city that that's where um i've grown up that's where i found my education that's also where i found my passion probably in the sense that the 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 most most of my mentors come from there um a lot of my first exposure to um uh, public mm, what shall i say like you know mass media came from delhi i worked with ndtv which was again a very very strong organization led by very strong women a lot of these experiences have been very very positive and have, have had a very positive impact on my uh, on who i am and how i create and how i perceive the world and how that gets reflected into my stories but i have to still say that we still have a long way to go heaven knows our daughters generations will they see it what i find very interesting anu is you write in both languages do you think in both languages as well or do you have to translate in your head now i don't i mean it's very uh. seamless now i i don't even think like you know if i have to switch in hindi it'll just very very okay. organically happen Happens. in fact i uh think in three languages bhojpuri is my mother tongue okay so uh, it's it's just very organic now but I think when I started to write uh, in during my early days Hindi came more naturally to me it was also the language just in terms of a lot of expressions that one had to say like dialogues for example mm-hmm. I still think I I can write better dialogues in Hindi than in English mm-hmm. uh, therefore I have never attempted like long format in English mm-hmm. um, I have I have very comfortably just stuck to uh, short stories, stories. <laughs> or uh, scripts because screenplays you have to mostly write in English all your proposals and everything else but other than that if there is something that you have to express in terms of emotions which uh, is representative of what a character is where she or he comes from then it very naturally is in uh, hindi hindi very very naturally think in hindi then you are a translator as well you've translated some of our best authors you're a writer as well how do you switch between these two hats how does a writer impact the translator and how does the translator impact the writer that's such a lovely question long time ago when i was still a very novice writer i mean i didn't even know if i could i didn't even know if i could write um a very dear friend of ours a mutual friend in fact natasha badwar mm-hmm. uh she was also my colleague from ndtv so uh i told her that and this was also i was a young mother i had quit my job i was looking for gigs so writing also actually for me became a source of livelihood okay and so did translation eventually and editing and some stint that i had at publishing because this was also a way to sort of keep oneself going and keep the career mm. if not career at least some form of job alive so um when i got my first translation assignment i came back and told natasha and she said that now you're a bona fide you're going to be like a writer because the best way to start writing a few days ago i was reading murakami's novelist as a vocation and he ta- extensively talks about how he first was a translator and then he started to write and he has not in fact translated his own works he's translated other uh, other writers other writers a lot american authors especially and that informed his writing and it really resonated with me because when you work in two languages while you are getting inspired by and the duty of or the responsibility of keeping the essence the soul of the writer's work alive uh is on you you also have the creative liberty to play with the 
other language that you're translating into, which means you can transcreate. Mm-hmm. So you understand the source language really well, but the translating language empowers you to be creative. And that taught me, you know, you're learning from the masters because they were such wonderful authors. So you're translating their work. So you're also learning how to use the syntax, how they were using sort of the word play, imagery, everything else that the language does, words do to us. And when I was translating that in, into Hindi, I was informing my, I mean, I was becoming rich as a Hindi, potential Hindi writer. And uh, I have learned a great deal. And, and uh, I still think after having worked across so many formats and I do not get enough time to translate now, I still feel translations one part of my creative experience that puts me into a state of meditation. Really? I have no words to express. I mean, I can't express. It's just inexplicable. It's just, but it just is meditative because you're working with two languages that you're comfortable with. You love your, you know, sort of being the bridge. It's such a high. How wonderful. How wonderful. You have written scripts for some of our most acclaimed shows. You did Arya and you did uh, quite a few others, I think. Yeah. Now, for a script writer, it's not just about the creative process. There are so many other factors involved. I know you've spoken about it in another podcast as well, but could you take our listeners through what script writing actually entails? Uh, script writing, first, first and foremost, is uh, collaboration. As a screenwriter, whether the story is coming from you or it is coming from somewhere else, which means you're a work for hire writer in that sense, mm-hmm. um, it's always you're always collaborating because you're not writing for yourself. Unlike prose writing, unlike yes. other creative mediums, where you first try to entertain yourself. What a joy to be in, right? You're entertaining yourself mm. and then you're waiting for it to go out in the world to entertain or uh, sort of connect with other readers. But here you're writing to a vision. And unless you submit yourself fully to that vision and align yourself creatively, probably even ideologically and process-wise, it won't work. Mm-hmm. So, the one thing that I have learned from script writing, from the process of script, script writing, is the surrendering of ego. I know I'm sounding a little not at all dada, but whatever. It's such you an important just, thing, Anu. I think a lot of us take too much of ego into our writing, and I'm yeah, glad you're talking about it. You which know? is what we do. I mean, even I do when I'm doing my own stuff, and I know that oh, I don't care what the publisher thinks, I don't care what the editor thinks, I don't care whether the readers like it or not. Because, like I said, it's for myself. And, but actually, is real? Is it really? Mm. We are expressing not because we want to keep it to ourselves. We, we are expressing because we want to engage with the outside world. It's just that the audience changes. The, so th- that understanding came from script, script writing. And it also requires you to be in constant communication or engagement with other writers who come with different sets of skills, uh, different sensibilities, also sometimes very different ways of working. So it also, in a way, teaches you to be a part of the team. Mm-hmm. And it's quite a learning because then you are uh, constantly like, you know, giving and taking. And uh, uh, initially when I started to write, I mean, I was like, you write, right? You have to a page khol ke then unless you write, how do you come up with ideas? Mm-hmm. Um, and I would really be in awe of all these senior writers who would 
keep throwing ideas at you one after the other like there would be scene ideas there would be character ideas there would be arc ideas they would throw ideas and they would like discard it with as much ease and i used to find it very fascinating but now after having done it for a few years almost 5 years now i have also realized one more thing creativity is a muscle memory as much as you trigger it you use it the more you use it the better it gets the stronger it gets and it begins to sort of help you in your journey you can't sit and wait for madam genius to strike or madam creativity to you know shower her blessings on you that doesn't happen and uh, i therefore i'm very grateful for for this experience as a script writer because it has genuinely informed how i also write in other mediums one basic question which is often asked is is it very difficult for a novelist or a short story writer or a writer of prose to turn into a script writer absolutely not one thing that you already have as a writer is or as a creative person is that you already if you have continued to write and if you have sort of submitted yourself to your own process and have in a disciplined manner churned out hmm. uh, stories you have it in you you can write which means you have the diligence and discipline to deliver however can every writer become a screenwriter not necessarily because a lot of us do not work or don't want to work as collaborators hmm. we hmm. don't we're not comfortable we want to write in our own isolation and that's fine so if you have that realization that this will require me to put my work out there where the credits will be shared well the ideas will be free flowing where everybody will be contributing and there'll be constant nitpicking and this process of feedback to which you will have to work and it's like really work then a writer nobody i don't think the, the some of the finest writers are there for the script script writers and we have a full like you know legacy of that starting from isma chuktai to manto to gulzar sahab to gulzar sahab to Uh, to a lot of the, to to Kamleshwar to Rahi Masoom Raza to um, even Anand Neelakantha in the near you know recent times a lot of writers who if we were to only look at the legacy Sharad Joshi who yes. was a satirist and yes. wrote some of the most wonderful dialogues for a film like Utsav even so it has been proven time and again that writers can really become great script writers but also with the understanding that it's not just for yourself that you're writing you're writing with a team you're writing for the director you're writing for the producer you're writing for the actors who will completely own the material that you're creating and will make their their own so you will probably forget salim javed uh, wrote that famous line of mere paas mera baap chor hai aur mere paas maa hai you will probably remember only shashi kapoor and amitabh bachchan so despite that So that's where the ego has to be kept at the side as a writer, and you have to know that what you create is not going to be your own anyway. That's such a lovely thought, and that's such an important thought because we come with so much of baggage of ego as writers, and to you know surrender that is something most writers would grapple with. Anu, when you're writing a book now, because the process is very different, how internal is writing a book? Because you're writing for yourself now, you're writing. as you said not necessarily for the readers or the publishers you're just writing to amuse yourself so how different is the process i know you write short stories 
Are you also exploring long form? Yes, I have. Uh, in fact, published a novel and okay. just finished another novel. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, short story is my favorite medium. Uh, so I just completely disconnect myself. Like uh, that writing is in that sense far more quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, probably I'm writing only five hundred, six hundred, thousand, fifteen hundred words in at a stretch. But it's completely it's 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 a very quiet process of. Mm-hmm. not reading anything not watching anything just staying with the story just playing with the words and playing with the characters and you know sort of charting out their journeys or wanting to first arriving at you know wanting to arrive at what i want to say through this story so theme therefore becomes important how one wants to say and in as less words as possible becomes important There are times when I completely disconnect from my screenwriting job and just do that. Okay. It happens rarely, but when it happens, it's very, very. It rejuvenates. It completely, I think, fills my well up. I have no other way to explain this. Screenwriting, script writing, and script writing, writing novels, writing plays. What else? Directing, is, hopefully one day. Directing, hopefully <laughs> one day, and producing definitely. Lovely. Do you have the script ready? Are you working? I'm working on a script, yes. Which is incidentally, I mean, I can't reveal much, but it's also an adaptation of a short story written by a very uh, one one of the best authors of our times and a female author at that. Oh, a wonderful. Woman author. So yeah, it's something that is very very close to my heart because it's story of sisterhood and it's story of two very strong women. So hopefully one day, whether I'll direct or not, I don't know, but I'll definitely produce this. because the older i'm getting the more i'm writing the more i'm engaging with stories the more i'm just doing this to just live breathe just be i'm realizing that more and more stories of women have to be told and the responsibilities this responsibility lies on us how wonderful thank you so much anu for all these wonderful insights and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that movie and I'm sure you'll direct it. Thank you so much Kiran. I hope so too. And it's been such a wonderful wonderful conversation because sometimes we do need to look at our own creative process as an outsider. I mean some unless you're nudged you don't think about a lot of things. And uh, when you begin to talk about it come there are so many other realizations that we that come to us which actually become critical to our own growth and therefore what you're doing is very important i hope you continue to bring more creative people you know sort of decode their process and continue to inspire other people to also live a very creative life fingers crossed thank you so much for that anu and with that it's a wrap on this episode of chasing creativity this was kiran mandral to listen into us on amazon music on spotify on binchpods wherever you get your audio content bye Thank you for tuning into this episode of Chasing Creativity. I wanted to say thank you to Amazon Music once again for partnering with me on this episode of this podcast.